The Guardian. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. This morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in the House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Mr. Kevin Brennan. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Is the reason he wants to put fewer criminals in jail to do with cutting crime or cutting budgets? What, what this government wants to do is clear up the complete mess of the criminal justice system left by the Labour Party. Each prison place today costs £45,000, and yet 40% of prisoners are back in prison within a year. More than half of them are on drugs, and around 10% of them are foreign national prisoners who shouldn't be here in the first place. Nadine Dorries. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Um, The American waste giant Covanta are proposing to build in my constituency an incinerator around the size of Wembley. Would the Prime Minister give an assurance that decisions regarding such situations will be made at a local level in future? Well, my my old friend is right to raise this, and it's right that decisions should be made locally, and we want to make sure that all the latest technology in terms of alternatives to incineration are are looked at so we can actually make sure we're using the best ways to to make sure that we have a green approach. Harriet Harman. Mr Speaker, we were very concerned this morning to read reports that as a result of his budget, 1.3 million jobs will be lost. Can he confirm this was an estimate produced by Treasury officials? Well, the Honourable Lady should know. I will give a a surprisingly full answer if they just sit patiently. This morning, the Office of Budget Responsibility produced the full tables for the budget for employment in the public and the private sector. This is something that never happened under a Labour government. As shown in the budget, unemployment is forecast to fall every year under this government, but it also does show public sector employment. And what's interesting from the tables is you can see the effect of Labour's policy before the budget, and you can see the effect of our policy after the budget. What the figures show is that under Labour's plans, next year there will be 70,000 fewer public sector jobs. And the year after that, there will be 150,000 fewer public sector jobs. The reason is we've had the courage to have a two-year pay freeze. I know we've all been watching the football, but that's a spectacular own goal. Harriet Harman. Mr Speaker, I know he's published some new figures today, but it's the figures that he's not published that I'm asking about. The figures that say that 1.3 million jobs will be lost. Why won't the Prime Minister publish these Treasury treasury documents? Why is he keeping them hidden? The the forecasts that are published now are independent from the government. That is the whole point. That is, is, it's no good, honourable members, chuntering about this. They now support the Office of Budget Responsibility completely independent of government. And I have to say to her, this is an extraordinary approach before the election. Before the election, the Shadow Chancellor, then the Chancellor, was asked this question. On BBC Radio, 23rd of April 2010, will you acknowledge that public sector jobs will be cut? Darling, it's inevitable. Harriet Harman. 
Mr. Speaker, even the OBR says that under his budget, unemployment will be higher than it would otherwise have been. They say that on today's figures. They said that on last week's figures. Can he confirm that the secret Treasury analysis shows that under his budget, half a million jobs will be lost in the public sector, but even more will be lost in the private sector? The figures published today show two million more private sector jobs. They show 1.4 million people in work at the end of this parliament. They show unemployment falling every year. It's not really any surprise that the former Labour minister, Digby Jones, said after the budget, and I quote, I think, why not listen? Listen. Uh, order, I'm sorry to interrupt the Prime Minister. I must ask honourable and right honourable members to listen. Order to listen with some restraint. I want to hear the answers. Prime Minister. Well, the party opposite gave him a peerage. They might as well listen to what he had to say. He said this. He said, I think the sign has gone up around the world saying Britain is serious about sorting out its economic mess. He's right. Pity he didn't say it when he was in office. Mr Speaker, he hasn't answered about the 1.3 million. He hasn't agreed to publish those documents. The Prime Minister should know what abject misery this unemployment will cause to individuals, to families and communities. But can he tell us now how much extra it will cost in unemployment benefits? She doesn't seem to understand. Unemployment is going to be falling during this Parliament. And in terms of publishing the figures, we've published the full figures. But it's not now us publishing the figures, it's the Office of Budget Responsibility. She's got to understand this is something the Labour Party now support. But let me repeat, what the figures show is that unemployment in the public sector is higher under Labour's plans next year and the year after. And when she gets to her feet, perhaps she'll tell us, do you now support the pay freeze to keep unemployment down? Harriet Harman. Mr Speaker, you can always tell when he doesn't want to answer a question because he asks me a question. He should recognise that under the OBR figures published today, unemployment is higher than it would have been other than his budget, and the same is shown in the OBR report last week. He won't tell us how much more the Treasury will have to pay out in benefits to people without work as a result of his budget. He won't tell us. Will he tell us how much less will be coming in in taxes as a result of fewer people in work because of his budget? There are going to be more people in work. Like, like, every, like every Labour government, they left us with unemployment rising and we will be at the end of this parliament with unemployment falling. That is the difference. She's got to, what my advice would be to look at the figures before standing up and asking the question. Well, if you look at the figures, you see higher public sector unemployment next year and the year after under Labour. She's slotted it straight into the back of her own net. Oh, well, we would look at the figures if he will publish them. Because this budget hits jobs, the Treasury will have got less money coming in and more money going out. Doesn't that make reducing the deficit even harder and more painful with bigger tax rises or even deeper cuts in public services? And Mr Speaker, why are the Lib Dems just sitting there letting, letting this happen? No one 
everyone who voted Lib Dem voted for this. The Right Honourable Lady talks about reducing the budget deficit, but we haven't heard one single proposal for cutting the deficit. We all know that they left us the biggest budget deficit in the G20, the biggest budget deficit in our history. We've been having a good trawl, Mr Speaker, for the stupidest piece of spending that they undertook, and I think I have found it. And it was, it was in the Honourable Lady's own department where they spent £2.4 million doing up the department, including £72,000 each on two-storey meeting pods, known as... <laughs> Known as, known as peace pods, and this is what they were for. This is, it is true, I'm reading out from, I'm reading out for our own department staff magazine. This is what it said. I think, I think taxpayers have a right to hear where their money went. This is where it went. It was a 21st century space of quality air and light, where we can relax and refuel in a natural ebb and flow. That's what's happened, Mr Speaker. They've gone from peace nicks to peace pods and bankrupted the country in the process. <laughs> Thank you, Mr Speaker. Um, the Prime Minister will be aware that um, Winchester hosted the largest homecoming parade to date of returning troops from Afghanistan last Wednesday afternoon. 650 men and women from 11 Light Brigade marched through the streets of Winchester in the presence of the Duchess of Cornwall. Will the Prime Minister join with me in paying tribute to the brave men and women, 650 of them, including the 64 who didn't make it home, and of course to the thousands of Winchester constituents of mine who showed their gratitude for a job well done? I would certainly join my honourable friend in paying tribute to all those who served in Afghanistan, and I think the homecoming parades that have been instituted are an absolutely excellent way of showing the whole country's support for our armed forces. He talks about, rightly, those who who didn't come home, and we should also think of those who came home wounded and will need our support and our backing and our help in terms of health and mental health services and um, prosthetic limbs and other things of a really high quality for the rest of their lives, and I'm determined that we will honour that commitment. John Cryer. Mr Speaker, the leaked Treasury papers are absolutely clear that unemployment is going to rocket by 1.3 million over the next five years. Now, doesn't he realise that millions of people watching this who face unemployment over the next few years will think that his comments are tinged with contempt in his refusal to answer perfectly straightforward questions from the bench over there? I just have to say to the Honourable Gentleman, he's wrong. We are publishing the figures, and they show the figures... They show exactly what will happen in terms of private sector employment and public sector employment. As the last government accepted, there will be reductions in public sector employment, but according to the Office of Budget Responsibility, which is independent of government, the growth in the private sector more than makes up for that. So I just ask him, after he's left this room, maybe spend some time in a peace pod, wander to the library... Have a look at the figures and he will see the Office of Budget Responsibility showing unemployment falling every year in this Parliament. Julian Sturdy. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Following last week's much-welcomed budget announcement, does the Prime Minister agree with me that correcting our deeply unbalanced economy will require fresh investment and enterprise in many northern cities like my own of York, which for so long has been neglected by the Labour government? assurances can he give to me, my constituents, that the coalition will do all it can to encourage the economic growth? Order! Order!
would, uh, we're grateful to the honourable gentleman. We need an answer. Prime Minister. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. My honourable friend is quite right to raise this point because the fact is, over the last decade, the disparity between regions actually got worse. The fact is, regional policy for the last decade has been a complete failure. And that's why we are right to cut rates of corporation tax, to say to new businesses you can set up without having to pay national insurance on your first 10 employees, to bias this policy in favour of parts of the country whose need is are great, who needs our greatest, and also to have a £1 billion regional growth fund that can help parts of the country like the one that he represents. George Howarth. Prime Minister, accept that one consequence of a prison sentence is that those serving them are unavailable to re-offend. Yes, absolutely. I mean, absolutely right. That's why prison is there. That's why prison is there. But the fact is, I believe that prison can work. The fact is, it's just not working properly at the moment. When you've got these reoffending rates, when you've got the cost uh, of the, each prison place, when you've got the appalling problem of drugs in prisons, we've got to reform. Now, if the Labour Party want to put themselves on the argument of simply defending the status quo, I think they're making a great mistake. If ever there was a part of our public services that needed radical reform to make sure prison does work, then now, that's it. Stephen Lloyd. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Given the Chancellor's recent comments stating that the UK is open for business, I'd like to ask my right honourable friend, the Prime Minister, why it is that foreign students who come here to study at English language schools for a period greater than six months and contribute an estimated £600 million a year to this vital industry must now be already able to speak English before they can get a visa. Will the Prime Minister arrange for me and a delegation to meet the Immigration Minister to sort this out and show our government really is open for business? This needs to be a bit briefer. Prime the Honourable Gentleman is absolutely right. We want to make sure this country is open for business and we're taking steps to do that. The point about people coming here to learn English is if they come to learn English for less than six months, then that is uh, permitted. But clearly there are problems, as everybody knows. Too many bogus colleges, too many people pretending, uh, too many people pretending to come and study when really they're coming for work. I will certainly organise a meeting between my Honourable Friend and the Immigration Minister to discuss this. But it is right we've got to deal with the problem of bogus colleges which have been so abused in recent years. Meg Bunn. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The Prime Minister has said he wants to see more companies owned by their workers, the so-called John Lewis model. Sheffield Forge Masters is one of those companies. Will the Prime Minister therefore now accept that he was wrong to criticise the shareholders for seeking a loan from the government as they were not seeking to line their own pockets, they have not yet taken a penny in dividends. What they were seeking to do was to ensure the future of that company and other jobs in the UK. The Honourable Lady talks about the importance of firms being owned by their own employees. Well, I'm looking forward to her support and the support of everybody opposite when we make sure the post office has that sort of ownership model and we get the investment going as well. So I'll take that as a yes then. Mr Gary Streeter. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Thank you, Mr Speaker. About 5,000 young people a year leave local authority uh, care um, and without parental support, many of them end up on the streets or in our prisons. Does the new government have any uh, plans to intervene more effectively in the lives of this very vulnerable group to try and improve their life chances? Yeah. 
Well, my, my honourable friend is absolutely right to raise this, and, and we really do need to do better as a country. The fact is, it's around 0.6% of children who are in care, but when you look at our prison system, it is 23% of adult prisoners who were in care. We've got to do better. One of the problems is children leaving care aged 18 unlike other 18-year-olds, have got nowhere to go, have got no-one to help them. We've got to do better. We are looking at this area, and I recognise that dealing with the scandal of the poor outcomes for children in care is something, frankly, that everyone in this House ought to support. Caroline Lucas. Thank you. Homecoming parades for our very brave soldiers in Afghanistan are incredibly important, but so is an exit strategy from Afghanistan. Given the growing agreement that there is no military solution to the crisis there, and given that the head of the army himself has said that we should start talking to the Taliban soon, wouldn't the Prime Minister agree that we should start talking now so that we can save more lives on all sides and bring our troops home? Well, well, can I first of all welcome the Honourable Lady to this House, an incredible achievement for her party to to win that seat, and I know uh, she will make a huge contribution um, during during this Parliament. Uh, um, On Afghanistan, as as we we discussed at quite some length yesterday in the House, of course there is no purely military solution. Very few insurgencies are ended by purely military means, but I think it is important to continue with the strategy this year of the military surge to put pressure on the Taliban, and of course there should be a political Track. But as I said uh, yesterday in the House, we've got to recognise there is a difference between the Taliban linked to al-Qaeda, who want to do so much harm not just in Afghanistan but across our continent as well, and those people who have been caught up in an insurgency for other reasons. Should there be reconciliation and reintegration? Yes, of course, there is, and we can go further. But I think the things that she's talking about wouldn't be, wouldn't be advisable. Mark Lancaster. Thank you, Mr Speaker. In paying tribute to the members of our armed forces who have made the ultimate sacrifice in Afghanistan. It is worth remembering that for every life lost, six more lives are changed forever through the loss of one or more limbs. Sometimes there are things that money can't buy, but I welcome the Prime Minister's announcement of an extra £67 million to try and help counter IEDs. Could you perhaps explain to the House how this money will be spent? Well, can I thank the Honourable Gentleman for his question and also pay tribute to him as a member of our Territorial Army Reserve, who is himself a bomb disposal expert and who has served in Afghanistan. Um, what the bomb disposal teams, the IED teams do, is just beyond brave. I saw for myself um, in Camp Bastion uh, their training and their instruction, and it really is an extraordinary thing they do for our soldiers and for our country. We announced an extra £67 million to give proper protection. £40 million of that is for more protected vehicles, and we'll also be doubling uh, the number of teams, and all of the time we have to keep up with the technology that our enemy is, is using. What he says about people coming home uh, with having lost one limb or, or two just shows, as I said, these are young people who don't just want to have a, 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 a new limb and uh, a quiet life. They want to run marathons. They want to climb Everest. They want to have fulfilled lives. And we've got to make sure the support is there for them and the very best prosthetic limbs are there for them so they can lead those lives. Kate Green. Mr Speaker, in light of the earlier exchanges about uh, employment and job losses, doesn't the Prime Minister think that the announcement this week of a further 4,000 full-time equivalent staff being cut from Job Centre Plus by next March amounts to a false economy? 
Can I first of all welcome the Honourable Lady to the House? And not everyone will know she was head of the Child Poverty Action Group that has done incredible work in our country over many years, and I pay tribute to her for that. Let me just repeat, the, the forecasts show employment rising. That is the key. And employment is the best way of actually tackling uh, poverty. Of course there are going to be uh, public sector uh, job losses, and of course there are going to be cuts in some programmes. That would have been true under the Labour government. It is true under our government. The key is, though, gripping this problem so we start to get confidence and growth in our economy, so we start to get a recovery. And I say to honourable members opposite, they've got to engage in this debate rather than play this kind of pathetic game of pretending there wouldn't have been cuts under Labour. There would have been. You announced them, you just never told anyone what they were. Charlie Elphick. Mr Speaker, the uh, Right Honourable Member for South Shields' campaign is so confused he's seeking support from Conservative MPs these days. He says, he says the budget was avoidable. Can I ask the Prime Minister, was it avoidable? Or are they... Order. Order. It's a good idea to start with a question that directly relates to the policy of the Government, but unfortunately this doesn't. Liz Kendall. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The Paediatric Cardiac Unit at Glenfield Hospital in my constituency provides outstanding care, not just in terms of the quality of surgery, but the excellent nursing, aftercare and facilities and support for parents. Will the Prime Minister confirm that all aspects of care will be considered as part of the Government's review of children's heart surgery, and will he agree to visit Glenfield's unit before the review makes its recommendations to see for himself the excellent care it provides? Well, the Honourable Lady, I quite understand why she raises this question. There was a, a national examination of children, children's cardiac services started under the last government will continue under this government because we've got to make sure that standards are as high as they can be in this, which is an incredibly difficult and technical area. We all have our interests to defend. Obviously, I have the John Radcliffe Hospital, uh, which does an, a, a great job as well next to my constituency. So she's right to stand up for her uh, constituency that way. The examination needs to take place, but I would say to her, one of the keys is going to be protecting, as we believe is necessary, spending into the NHS over this Parliament with modest real terms increases each year. That is our policy. It's no longer the policy of the party opposite. So when difficult decisions have to be made, it would be worse if we were adopting the Labour policy of cutting the NHS. Robin Walker. Uh, Would the Prime Minister join me in welcoming the fact that through protecting investments in healthcare, the Coalition Government has been able to approve the £40 million hospices capital grant uh, £600,000 from which will go towards the expansion of St Richard's Hospice in Worcester, which will benefit hun- at least hundreds of patients a year with community care and, and hundreds of families and care workers across Worcestershire in the years to come. Yeah. 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 My honourable friend is, is, is right to raise the hospice movement, which I think has been one of the great successes of, of the big society that we have in this country. I think we all... We all um, cherish what the hospice movement does. Could I just take this opportunity? Could I just take this opportunity on behalf of on behalf of the whole house to pay tribute to the honourable gentleman's father who served in parliament for 49 years, who gave great service to this country. He gave great service in in Wales. Uh, He had many achievements in his long career. And if politics is about public service in the national interest and things that can change people's lives, his pioneering reform of selling council homes to their tenants is something that I think has greatly improved our country. Gordon Banks. Speaker. I wonder if the Prime Minister could tell us who he considers to be right on short prison sentences, the Secretary of State for Justice or the leader of his party in the Scottish Parliament? Um, the point here is, is, is straightforward. <laughs> the, 
We all know. We all know you have to keep short sentences for some purposes. I've said that. The Lord Chancellor has said that. Of course you need to have it in some circumstances. But do we benefit? Do we benefit from lots and lots of very short sentences? Um, I think it would be better if we could improve community sentences so they were tough. One of the problems of the appalling inheritance that we have over the last 10 years is no one has any faith in the community sentences that ought to be a good alternative to prison. Tony Baldry. Um, can, I, can I urge my uh, right honourable friend uh, to ignore Simon Heffer uh, when, um, uh, uh, when in today's uh, Daily Telegraph he advocates the complete abolition of DIPID on the basis that charity begins at home. And could my right honourable friend take this opportunity to tell those sections of the Pugetese press which keep on having a crack at the government's commitment to international development, that our national interest, very, and our national interest, security, stability, and sense of humanity, very often begins overseas. Yeah. I think my honourable friend is entirely right, and he has a record as a minister for Africa and as a development minister uh, in, a previous, in a previous government. And the fact is this: we have made a commitment. You know, both nationally and internationally, to increase our aid spending. And I think Britain should be a country that sticks to its word. And I have to say, even to those who, who take a more hard-headed uh, approach to these things, overseas aid is in our domestic interest. If you think of uh, the problems of, of, that world poverty causes, it's in our interest, it's in our national security to deliver this. But above all, Britain sticking to its word, I found at the G8 and the G20, gives us the opportunity to have some moral authority and moral leadership on this vital issue. Michael Meacher. How can the Prime Minister justify that hundreds of thousands of public sector workers, the victims of the financial crash, will unquestionably lose their jobs because of the huge public service cuts to come. When the bank... When the bank... When the bankers and the super-rich, the architects of the financial crash, whose wealth, according to the Sunday Times, rich list grew by £77 billion in this last year, stand to lose neither their jobs, nor their income, nor their wealth. Is that what you mean by everyone being in it together? The Prime Minister... The, the right honourable gentleman fought the last election on £50 billion of unspecified cuts. That is why the figures published today show that public sector job losses would be higher under Labour in the next two years. He can say all he likes about bankers. The fact is, his party wouldn't introduce a bank levy until the rest of the world had decided to do it. We've done it in seven weeks. Millie, age five, wrote to me recently asking why there are special days for mothers and fathers and not for children. Uh, I'm sorry. Order. The Honourable Lady will be heard. And that's the end of it. Annette Brooke. Will the Prime Minister commit to work with voluntary organisations to raise the profile of our Children's Day on November the 20th to celebrate the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child and indeed to celebrate the achievements of all our children, whether they be rich or poor? Yeah. Uh, 
the Honourable Lady has a long record of supporting Children's Day and of supporting uh, the United Nations Convention, which was signed in 1990. Uh, I think we should raise the profile of this day, and I know she will be pleased to know the Coalition is making good progress on this. Only this morning, the Honourable Member for Brent Central had held a seminar uh, about special needs children and how we must make sure that their needs are properly protected under this Coalition Government. Michael Connerty, Minister Speaker. The Prime Minister might have noticed that the people of Scotland did not choose his party except in one seat out of 59. And they didn't choose, they didn't choose the poodles of the Liberal Democrats either. Can you give this House an assurance as an absolute chill runs through Scotland at the 1.3 million hidden job losses that he did not publish? That any proposals, any proposals for cuts in public services and expenditure in Scotland and any Barnett formula cuts will be brought before the Scottish Affairs Select Committee. Yeah. Order, order! We're grateful to Radon Jones, it's too long. Prime Minister. I'm, I'm well aware that the uh, Conservative Party didn't uh, sweep Scotland. Uh, I'm well aware of that fact, and thank you for reminding me of it. What I, what I said I would do if we uh, formed a government was I would go straight to Scotland and straight to Wales to meet with the First Ministers and to have a... We ask a question. You might as well listen to the answer before you start shouting at me. <laughs> in order to have proper meetings and have a respect agenda where we respect the devolved assemblies. And I have to say, under the last government, there was a whole year during the financial crisis when the Prime Minister of our country didn't even meet the First Minister of Scotland. That will not happen under this government. We believe in respect. Matthew Hancock. Can I tell the Prime Minister how pleased my constituents were when he found found £50 million to help FE colleges who have been promised funding but left high and dry by the previous administration. Will he ensure that the application for an FE college in Haverhill in my constituency is given the attention it deserves so that Haverhill can get the FE college that it was promised? Well, my my honourable friend makes a very good uh, public spending application and I'm sure the Treasury would have been listening carefully. But he makes a very good point. Even in a difficult budget, when reductions had to be made, we have actually boosted spending on FE colleges and increased the number of apprenticeships after the shambles left by the last lot. Graham Jones. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Um, The local government chronicle has listed my constituency of of Hindburn as the one that's received the biggest cuts in Britain, nearly £3 million at district level. As he's aware, it's an area of poor health, low incomes and and some of the worst housing in Britain. In fact, at the weekend, the Liberal Democrat leader of Burnley Borough Council, my neighbouring council, said... The cuts by this government are hitting areas like Burnley much harder than affluent areas. Does the Prime Minister agree with his colleague in the Liberal Democrat Party? The the point I would make to the Honourable Gentleman is, of course, uh, there are going to be difficult decisions in the budget. There are going to be public spending reductions. Everybody should know that. Everyone should be honest about it, rather than pretending these wouldn't have happened if we had a different government. But what we will do is help areas of need through the tax changes we're making and also through the regional development grant of a billion pounds, which areas like Hindburn are able to bid for to make sure they get an increased um, private sector to try and get the, the, the motor of our economy going again. That is absolutely vital. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.